0: listening to the acb advocacy update hello everyone and welcome to this video version of the acb advocacy update podcast thank you to everyone who is watching us live on youtube facebook and listening on acb radio and today is national assistive technology awareness day so happy natad everyone (laughs) Uh, my name is Clark Rockfall. I am the Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for the American Council of the Blind. My colleague is here with me today, and she will introduce herself now.
1: Hi, I'm Swazilanda Kumar. I am the Advocacy and Specialist for ACB.
0: And we have two guests joining us today, ACB <laughs> member and a member of ACB's Information Access Committee, Don Barrett. Don, how are you doing today?
2: Doing great. Uh, I am audio only for those wondering where my picture is or my visibility is. My desk is such a mess that I decided to save you all the grief. And so I am on audio.
0: And we're so glad that you're able to join us, uh, be it what do we want to call audio, just 1D, 2D. Uh, But live and in Technicolor, we also have a friend of ACB and member of our advisory board, Matt Ader. Matt, good afternoon. Thanks, Clark,
3: and uh, so glad to be here with everybody today. And Matt, share a little bit about your background. So I've been in the field for over 25 years, uh, currently work for Um, Vespero, Most people know as uh, JAWS for Windows um, and lots of our other products. And I'm uh, responsible for our software um, products within the company. Thanks, Matt. And thank you
0: so much for joining us as well. Uh, Swatha, mm-hmm. when you hear assistive technology, what what do you immediately think of?
1: I think of like technology, like um, a software program or like a um, computer something like that. So. Uh,
0: well, see, that's how you can tell you're a lot younger than I am, because I think, <laughs> you know, uh, a CCTV a, a handheld magnifier you know i guess assistive technology can be anything from you know the the most rudimentary uh, assistive or accessible device you know i would even argue that my white cane is a piece of assistive technology but yeah then we're also talking about computer technology and hardware uh, don when you hear assistive technology what do you think
2: you know it's funny that's an interesting question I think it's anything that assists a person with some kind of disability, um, whether it's blindness, low vision, or any other disability, any material thing in the world that makes our tasks in life easier. If I can tell a very quick story, I have some friends who are both blind, it's a couple, and during the snowstorm a couple years ago, They wanted to go to 7-Eleven, which was a couple blocks away from their house, and get some important ingredient for a meal they were cooking. But they were worried about being able to find their house upon their return. So what they did is they put a radio playing music in the bedroom window, which was above the front steps to their house. They were able to get to the store, but when they got back on their street, listening for that radio brought them directly to their home. And I would submit that for that particular event, that radio became assistive technology.
0: I love the answer, mean, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, how often? I, I guess. So, if you really want to get philosophical, isn't all technology assistive technology if it makes our lives easier and can improve <laughs> our uh, efficacy and efficiency the way we go about uh, daily tasks?
2: I would agree, a hundred percent.
0: Yeah. And Matt you already mentioned jaws which I, a lot of us use as a form of assistive technology whether for school or in the workplace uh, in in your line of work but also in your per, uh, personal life how do you view or how would you define assistive technology
3: well it's interesting. I, I listened to what Don said and it's true that, that you know you could think of anything being some form of technology that could assist you or some device that like you've mentioned, Clark. And when I think about what Don's example, I it, I have a friend who did something very similar, except that she she took something like a a tile device. And which you know basically you know uses her phone to identify where that device is, and she put the tile device on her front door and then left. And then coming home, she looked for the tile device using her phone. And so, you know, the beauty of technology, whether it's um, something that's mainstream or um, what we originally had, had, uh, called assistive technology, anything could be there to assist them and and you know, a Google Home or a Alexa or, or any of those other devices, and sorry to wake up all of people's devices by saying that, they could be considered um, assistive devices today um, or assistive technology in a way, even though somebody with no vision loss would use it for something completely different. And Swatha, throughout your
0: life, how have you uh, determined what assistive technology that you need? How have you determined what works for you and what meets your needs?
1: So I think school has been a big part of it for me. Um, when I was in school, um, my vision teacher would um, kind of bring in pieces of equipment and show me how they work and tell me how we often use them. And then um, she'd tell me like, does it work, for, does it work for you? Does this, how does it work for you? Like, um, or what do you prefer? So that's kind of my, like, the school's a big part of it. So.
0: And, and Swatha, what are some of the standout pieces of assistive technology that you've used, whether in school or in your professional life, that have had a, a large impact on you?
1: So on my computer, I use a screen reader called NVDA. And that has definitely helped me. Um, it definitely made me more of a computer person. Um, it definitely made me um, kind of it's kind of made things easier for me to like read and navigate screen and read emails and all that. Um, also on my phone, I use voiceover, which is not a screen reader. Um, so that also helps me like kind of interact, interact with the screen interact with my, with my devices is more easier. I've also used CCTV, CCTV, CCTVs in the past. Um, those have really been kind of helpful for me. Um, yeah, and have handheld, handheld metaphors too. So I have i used all the hand devices that yeah.
2: All
0: right. All the, the talk of various screen readers. Matt, I should have told you to cover your ears before asking Swatha that question.
3: It's okay. Uh,
1: yeah, sorry, Matt.
3: <laughs> no, don't be sorry. I mean it's the there's a need for different tools for different days, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And Don, in your uh, professional life.
0: I guess share a little bit on on your professional background, because then I want to ask you about uh, basically just what Swatha said and the roles that a uh, you know a vision teacher um, or someone in the workplace can play with providing assistive
2: technology. What a great question. Um, I'm a retired federal employee. I was a Section 508 coordinator at the Department of Education for a number of years, and did some on the side. Uh, JAWS training and other AT training, because the vendor who is supporting us didn't have AT trainers uh, on premises. So I kind of filled in that role. Matter of fact, I'm back at education now part-time doing uh, JAWS training, which I just absolutely, that's really my first love is training. Um, To answer your question, I think it's a very important question I have seen so many trainers and providers of assistive technology give people what they think the person needs rather than what they really need. There's a phrase in the rehab world called technology abandonment. And that phrase came into being because there is so much assistive technology that just kind of sits on a shelf because it's not being used Because it's not what the person was able to use for any given reason, and it was just given to them because, well, that's what we give everybody, you know? So one of the things, just as a very quick example, when I'm talking to people about uh, I get calls from clients, external clients, and they say, well, I don't know what to do. What should I use? What do I need to do? I ask them, what do you want to do with a computer? What are your skill sets? Do you know Braille? Do you like Braille? Do you use speech? How do you learn? I mean, when I'm reading something that I'm really studying very seriously, I'll use Braille. If I'm using pleasure reading, I'll use audio. Those are the kinds of pieces of information you really want to find out from someone before you supply them with technology to make sure that it's really going to meet a specific need. And I tell my clients, tell me some stuff you want to do that you love to do that's really exciting for you. Because if I can't get you excited about what we're doing, you're not going to practice, you're not going to learn, and you're going to give up on it. And that's just normal human being behavior. But I just, to, to bring it around to a closure for my answer, I would say that really delving into a person's likes, dislikes, Skill sets, needs, and wants is critical before people supply them with a given kind of AT.
0: Matt, uh, any comments there on what Don is saying? Especially yeah. these two parts of it. First, big shout out to the assistive technology trainers, the orientation and mobility specialists, uh, teachers of the visually impaired, uh, folks that help us get up, get moving, uh, learn, and explore the worlds around us. And certainly, use technology as a vital tool in that process
3: so i i I wanted to feed off one of the things don said which was the abandonment and and one of the comments that i think that that brings it back to a a topic that a lot of people would recognize is it when you when you first are younger and your and your parents want you to become a piano player and you go to learn the piano and the first thing they want to teach you is something like Bach or something else. And you're sitting there going, No, I want to learn something cool that's new and eight, you know, new age and stuff that's here today. And that's kind of the same thing, right? You know, if we can get people interested with the topics that are interesting to them, you know, if we today took the first step to teach somebody how to use a computer versus teaching them how to use the phone, we're probably gonna lose an entire population of people who just want to use their phone right now, and eventually they may have to use the computer because they're going to go do a job. But if we start with a PC and say, hey, look, let's just show you how you can use a computer that talks and all that kind of stuff, it's not going to be the same kind of excitement versus, hey, let me get on Twitter, let me get on Clubhouse or, or some other you know form of media, social media. That gets people excited, and that's one of the beauties of, of um, technology is that you know if we look at the most recent era of assistive devices... Um, people are probably going to point out to something like the iPhone as probably their number one uh, game changer in assistive technology. Now, that's a form of mainstream technology that Apple added, the, um, the built-in uh, screen reader called VoiceOver, um, and it was a huge difference maker for people to be able to be participating in society um, uh, and that's a huge part to uh, technology adoption. Um, now, I personally, um, if I could swivel my camera around, I have, you know, a braille display sitting over here. I have a CCTV sitting behind me. I have a CCTV on my desk. I have, uh, you know, JAWS on my computer. Um, a braille display on this side of the room. That's for my takeaway and use with my iPhone. You know, now I'm blessed that I work for a manufacturer of this technology, but at the same time, I probably owned half of this stuff before I, uh, you know, even started working here. But I could, um, going back to something I said earlier, is like there's the tool for the right moment. And um, if you look at CCTVs as a good example of that, Um, and we call them CCTVs from the 90s and before. Today, we would probably refer to them as video magnifiers because it's way trendier than CCTV. And if you Google CCTV, it's probably going to bring up the cameras at uh, Walmart that are watching you rather than the cameras that are uh, video magnifiers. But, you know, the use case of that is so broad from a handheld device to read uh, your mail to a desktop to do your arts and crafts to a um, wearable, to watch a baseball game, you know, su- such a variety or somebody who's in school and needs to read a chalkboard. And so when you look at assistive technology and someone introduces something, and I think uh, Don brought this up, that um, it's about getting the right tool for the right person. Um, you know, If you go and look at one device, it's probably not enough. No different than when you're buying a car. Rarely do you walk in, or when you're buying a house, rarely do you buy the first thing you see. And so when you're looking at the low vision aids, and and I think we have a there's a session on ACB communities tomorrow at three o'clock on picking the right low vision aid, and that's a great example of like you know there's probably uh, five different, six or eight different kind of um, use cases for. Uh, or not not use cases, types of video magnifiers that meet, you know, 20, 30 different use cases. And so don't assume you get this big bulky one that's sitting behind me or the handheld if it doesn't work for you. You know, the assistive technology has to meet the need. And, you know, you look at employment, most people sit with big desktop units, but then under the pandemic, they needed portable because they needed to come home and they didn't have the desk space. So the need changed just based on the last year as an example. That's such an interesting point. Swatha, have, have
0: your use case for assistive technologies, ha, has your needs changed throughout the pandemic?
1: I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause um, I definitely don't go out as much as used to, so I don't like, need the bigger stuff. I just need more like things like the computer based um, or phone based for, for me. So like, I just need the hand- smaller handheld things and, um, yeah, I just don't need the bigger things or the things that cost a ton to carry around or like to buy or whatever. So definitely, definitely um, kind of Rowling's perspective, 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 so.
0: Yeah, I think the, a lot of us probably share that perspective, right? I'm thinking back to the past year. Certainly we've all been working from home, learning from home. It, I mean, geez, my my first video magnifier um, when you were talking about it, I was trying to think like, what, what was most impactful for me about using a video magnifier? And it was being able to read comic books, right? And then also as my vision deteriorated in, in school, being able to read graphs in, uh, math, calculus, physics, economics, and being able to keep up with, with learning that way. Um, now, certainly in the workforce, it's more, uh, I get, I guess I would say more software-based accessibility tools. Uh, but Matt, you mentioned the the iPhone. So before we used to have you know a different tool in the toolbox depending on what the job was. Do you see a world where uh, something like the iPhone or different pieces of technology are just becoming a a Swiss Army knife?
3: You know, one tool that can do it all. So I I don't think that it's one tool can do it all. Depending again, what you're. Uh, I guess it does depend on the use case. If I'm just browsing the web, there's a chance I can get by with a phone, but there's a lot of websites that may work better on a desktop. So then you say, boy, do I need that extra the, that extra product? Um, if I need to write a resume, I don't know that I'd sit down and do it on an iPhone. Um, if I had to read a spreadsheet, I may be able to glance at reading it on the phone, mm-hmm. but could I actually create it? And I kind of separate the phone experience from a computer experience from a creator versus a um, consumer. And and I don't mean consumer as somebody who buys things, but a consumer is somebody who's consuming the information. I think an iPhone works perfectly great, in my opinion, for consuming and mm-hmm. even probably jotting basic emails. But if I had to write a paper, I probably wouldn't use an iPhone for that. Um, I'd probably sit down and still use a computer for that experience. And part of that is that um, the tools that are running on the PC give you more details about the formatting and the look and the feel of things than a phone can give you. Um, even though it gives it to you visually, it may not give it all auditorily to you.
0: And Don, similar question: What are your thoughts? What have you noticed within the the Department of Education about the the tools that folks may may want or the tools that folks are comfortable using? versus possibly new pieces of technology that may better meet their needs?
2: It's a great question. And I guess this is kind of, I have to say, a little bit unfortunately, because the government tends to, it's large and a little bit unwieldy. It tends to stick with the old school mainstream products like Office, which Believe me, is not just old school, but you don't see a lot of federal workers with their own iPhones. Some of them do, but by and large, they don't hand them out. Uh, everybody has a laptop. Everybody has Office 365. Everybody's using Teams, or at least trying to, as best we can. But you know this this new stuff. You know, I know there have been agencies that have been looking into getting IRA because they want. That visual assistance available in real time for their their blind customers, but it, it it's not changing as much in the government as it might be in just the regular consumer world. I'm actually excited about that. You know, when I think about, um, I think the competition is really heating up. You know, I can't tell you how many sighted people have said to me, you know, we'll leave to go somewhere and they'll say, oh here's your stick, and they don't even know to call it a cane because it just looks like a stick. It is so simple and yet so useful and so all-encompassing you know all encompassing in terms of the kind of protection it can give you. Something that's just bare bones as a cane will always be around. But then you add to it an iPhone with a GPS app and what's going to be coming down the street with LiDAR or an Android, Android device with LiDAR. Uh, these devices, instead of replacing each other, I think are going to really start to complement each other. And the competition with the companies is going to make it great for the consumer because everybody will have more choices than they know what to do with. And that's actually a good thing because if you do it right, you can tailor the assistive technology you get uh, to really meet specific needs. And I and I think that's going to be a great thing.
0: And Don, you've already started to touch about technology that's coming down the the pipeline. Um, let's let's dive a little bit deeper into that. What sort of assistive technologies do you see in the future, um, or that are already being discussed in the future, that you really think have the the potential to enhance the lives of people who are blind and experiencing vision loss?
2: Well, you know we've. For many, many years, we had a lot of mobility aids, which allegedly were going to save the world in terms of allowing blind folks. Most of them in the past, in the you know 60s and 70s, were based on ultrasonic kinds of devices. And they really, when it pushed game to shove, they were difficult to use because all the kinds of crazy noises they made basically sounded the same and in the real world, noisy environment, it was very hard to tell what you were encountering. But now you have, you know, apps like Seeing AI and, and, uh, and Vision and SuperSense and LiDAR, which is still in its infancy. And um, I just think things are going to get better in a really better way rather than in a marketing way. You know, it's just like the Braille displays have been the same, the cell technology since the 70s, and now all of a sudden you have different kinds of, you know, groups experimenting with different types of braille cells and trying to make cheaper cells and that kind of thing. So we're kind of on that edge where AI and and new fabricated technologies are going to come down to the assistive technology level. And I think it's going to open up things we haven't even dreamed of uh, in terms of what we'll be able to have to be able to really travel independently using a device with artificial intelligence and good vision and LIDAR and object recognition and all kinds of stuff. So I think it's we're in our infancy of this, but I think it's happening little by little. And um, I think it's going to be awesome.
0: And Matt, if you could build off of what Don's saying here about the the future and technology and innovation that's coming down the pipeline. Are are there products or services that you're excited? to see become mainstream or mainstream
3: assistive technology? Well, one of the things that's happened in the last 20 years, um, both in assistive technology or even in mainstream technology, is the, um, the really push towards understanding the user experience. And one of the ways that's happened is, is through user studies. Another way is through collecting data based on um, uh, the tools and features and, and uh, technology we use. And so everything you do, like it or not, um, uh, technology is trying to figure out what you're doing and why. And the reason they do that is they say, you know what, if you're not doing it the way we expected, then we should watch and figure that out in a positive way, not in a negative way. And if we can help coach you through a a user experience based on the data we're collecting to make it easier for you, then we should do that as well. And so um, I think that you know whether it's asking my device in the corner here um, to make the volume louder. And it says, did you know next time, because um, I no, I started to place um, a news today and it was too quiet. So I went over there and turned the knob. And because I turned the knob, it said, did you know you could just ask me to do that? And I'm sitting here going, okay, that's a little creepy. But at the same time, It should be smart enough to know, or I should be smart enough to know that I could just ask it to do those kinds of things. And so it nudges me towards that kind of experience. So part of it is is understanding the user, understanding what features and technology we need and use, um, and could we adapt for you? So for example, if every day I turned my high contrast mode on in the afternoon, wouldn't it be nice for the product to actually say, hey, look, it's about time for you to turn on dark mode or or high contrast mode. And that would just make sense because it's watching and understanding my behaviors. If I did that 10 days in a row, isn't it about time for the software to know that? And some people say, hey, I don't want all this software watching what I'm doing. I get that. But none of this is every company's doing it today, but every company has to own up to the privacy at the same time. So they don't collect it at a personal level. They collect it at an aggregate level. So it's about grabbing the data, understanding it, and saying you know, the trends say you know, low vision people or this group of low vision people um, may need 3x magnification at their normal size rather than 2x. So why are we starting everybody at 2x? Why don't we start them at 3x? Or everybody use, ups their screen reading speed within the first year of using it. Well, after a year, maybe we should coach them to do it. You know, that's the kind of stuff that we should be doing to help the user. I think one of the challenges in computers is that, um, and, and we, did this, we did this the other day on, on, on Clubhouse as an example. We did a game show to figure out what, you know, challenges us on keystrokes. And it was a totally fun experience, but at the same time, it proved the point that there's just too many commands for you to do to know what to do. Like, when do you do this and when do you do that? And what's the keystroke to do this? And what's the keystroke? Why can't I just ask my assistive technology to do that for me? Make my job easier because the new user coming behind me is not spent the last 25 years of their lives learning all of these keystrokes like I have, and probably doesn't want to. Because think about it on the iPhone. How many keystrokes do you know on the iPhone? Zero, <laughs> zero. Zero. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. If you need to switch to a heading, do you press an H? No, you turn the rotor, go to headings and swipe down. I mean, and I'm not saying I like touchscreens on a computer because it's a little different than it is with a piece, uh, with a phone, but we should make people's jobs easier to accomplish tasks. We shouldn't make it harder. And I think that's something that we'll learn through, you know, observing, collecting data, and then figuring out what's the right path. And that's that whole user experience stuff we did move towards. Awesome. and. Um-
0: Swatha, last week you attended a a session by the US Access Board on autonomous vehicles. I talk about assistive technology, right?
1: Yeah, oh my gosh. That was, that was a great. That was a really impo- impo- informative webinar. Um so it talked about like how we can leverage because it's existing technology to make healing or using an AV much easier. So that's what we need to talk about a lot,
0: and I think the important part of that conversation is that the government and the auto industry they're having conversations about universal design and with the disability community uh, upfront in the development, the design, and testing of this technology, so they can build in accessibility upfront. I mean, imagine a world where we we can independently travel um, and using assistive vehicles to do that. Uh, that's, that's just mind blowing. Um, Matt, do you ever see a day where mainstream technology will just be so accessible that there won't need to be specifically designed,
3: uh, assistive technology? I, I don't know that we'd ever get all the way to that because there's, um, I think there's a level of assistive technology that people build into stuff to give, um, to meet the basic need of people. But when we expand to the level of employment-related tasks, they don't go that far. Mm-hmm. An example would be, um, you know, can I efficiently develop a spreadsheet and do all the charts and graphs that I need to do and read that data? Or do I need to have somebody else do it? Can I take a 500-page document with track changes and effectively do that? Well, in in the built-in stuff, they may not be as focused on those unique experiences. They may be focused on, hey, reading emails, reading the web. And I'm not saying they're not, but they may, you know, keep in mind that, like, they, they meet a goal and a requirement for compliance first, and then they may expand outside of that. And I think I go back to um, uh, taking the iPhone as an example. There's certain tasks I can't do on the iPhone is… Um, is am I going to be able to do the same tasks at that level on a computer? Is that enough? Well, probably not. I mean, Don, you've you've been in government, you know, and now uh, retired and back consulting with government. You know, could you have just learned the iPhone to be able to perform your tasks? And they're probably not.
2: I don't think um, so. Yeah,
3: and that wouldn't be enough to be able to do. You could respond to an email. You know, people. I've I've been at clients where they said. Oh, well, I'll just get Alexa to read the email, and I can write that to people. There was a person who came to me with a great technology idea. At least that's the way they saw it. And the idea was, and I and I don't. I commend people on coming up with ideas to solve problems. I, I want to suggest that people keep doing that. But the idea was, let's put a play button at the top of every web page to play the web page back as an MP3 file. Wow. Problem is, is could I interact with BestBuy.com? No, I could hear the web page from top to bottom, but I couldn't go to the search bar and type in a search criteria you know now once the search criteria up the play bar button would actually do it but i couldn't interact with the site because they thought that that's all i needed and so there's a lot of great blind technologists working on whether it's screen readers whether it's low vision devices whether it's braille devices that have invested their entire lives that understand the total user experience that i don't think we'd ever get to a point where hey i could just get a tv that's not fair because we can a talking tv that does everything we needed to do probably I mean, I am sitting in front of one right now, Um, but could I actually do all of my jobs at work without the assistive technology made by the great companies out there, whether it's mine or others that have built this great technology to make me more efficient on the job? I don't know that we could get to that level.
0: And Matt, we certainly won't get there uh, just as consumers sitting back and saying, you know, it would really be nice if. Uh, You mentioned having an accessible TV or a TV that's so accessible that you can do everything or nearly do everything that you would want to do on the TV. That didn't happen overnight, and it didn't happen independent of the work of advocacy organizations like ACB. Um, And there's still certainly plenty of work that we can do related to accessible technology, Uh, workplace accommodations, communications, and video uh, accessibility, whether that's for content or the hardware and the accessible user interface. So we'll still certainly keep doing that policy and advocacy related work. Uh, But Don, if there are folks out there, employees or students uh, who think that they could benefit from using assistive technology, what advice do you have for them?
2: Well, great question. Well, first of all, I, I would recommend that they get involved with other people with similar functional limitations. Uh, as a matter of fact, when I when a blind person says to me, gee, which screen reader should I get, or which braille display, or which phone, iOS, or Android? First question I always ask them is, What are your friends using? Because you know what, at eleven o'clock at night when they're desperately trying to do something they're going to call a friend. They're not going to call tech support because tech support's not going to be open. So I always encourage people to network with each other and really see what everybody else in their community. uh, And if they don't know anyone, then maybe they need to branch out and include more folks in the community who are using assistive technology. But I think the more that, you know, like ACB community calls are wonderful. And similar types of events, all the training that of uh, is doing and uh, with Elizabeth and Rachel and Matt and those guys are just, and Matt, I know you've been working hard in that whole area. And uh, it's, it's making a difference because I think the more people get exposed to this stuff, the more they can share it with each other, the more they can talk about it and bring in people who may not be as familiar with it as they, you know. Uh, would like to be, and then they can start including them in the process too. The other thing I'll quickly add about will we ever have technology that's from mainstream companies. It was interesting. Microsoft just bought nuance mm-hmm. this week. And they're the makers of, you know, Dragon Naturally Speaking. And um, they had IBM via voice and talks for the old Symbian phones. And boy, we can sure hope that. Microsoft might leverage some of their speech input technology to improve dictation in Windows. Wouldn't that be awesome if they added Dragon-like features to that uh, paradigm? So I think people will move in that direction. But, you know, as Matt so aptly said, we'll never reach a point where it's fully always available 24-7 to everybody just in the mainstream product. But we're getting closer.
0: We are certainly getting closer. Matt, uh, final question for you. If there are uh, employers, educators, uh, you know, teachers, trainers, specialists out there that want to learn more about assistive technology and the use cases for people who are blind and visually impaired, uh, any recommendations or advice?
3: Yeah, I think um, there's so much great content on the web, for one. Um, uh, I wanted to mention something that Don mentioned. You know, when you talked about, I, I don't remember if it was you, Clark, or Don who mentioned the, you know, picking the right. I think he said screen reader, but let's use Braille display for a second. Um, and I think it works the same with CCTVs. It's n- not enough to take a recommendation of a person. You have to put your hands on it. You have to feel it. I mean, the way I read Braille versus the way Don reads Braille, the next person reads Braille, is so different. Um, what I like in the dots, the way I like the refresh, the the way the keyboard feels, it's so critical. It's not just like buying a $10 keyboard. And so everybody should remember to put their hands on something. If it's Braille displays, if it's CCTVs, even if it's a screen reader, listen to it, listen to the voices and figure it out. Some people like an Android phone, others like the iPhone. And they mm-hmm. like it for certain reasons. And so um, I would, you know, like Don said, get with your community of people. Learn what others use so you can develop a culture of, of sharing. Um, and from a technology perspective, in terms of finding the different technologies, you know, there's great organizations, whether it's the different conferences we go to. It's going to the ACB convention. Um, it could be going to a local library where that technology may exist post-pandemic, uh, which um, look forward to someday. Um, some of the federal agencies um, in the D.C. area, which isn't the only area we're covering here, but the D.C. area during a non-pandemic year would have demonstration areas where you could see different technologies. Um, and and then separately, you know, if you go to companies like ours or it could be other assistive technology companies, and I'm with Vespero, but it uh, doesn't matter if it's us or somebody else, you can click the dealer area, the dealer link, and they'll come to you assuming you know you're comfortable with it to show you technology. Um, and then I would also say YouTube. There's so much great stuff on YouTube. It's crazy how much good stuff there is on YouTube today. So you can watch a video on how did somebody unpack their braille display or um, how they use this feature. Um, so I think it's it's a mix of that. Um, I, I also think there's some great stuff on on in social media platforms like. Uh, uh, Facebook where people are communicating on, you know, there's an assistive technology group, there's a JAWS users group, there's a technology for blind group, there's a braille users group. So there's so many options out there to experiment and and get some good feedback. All right. And Swatha,
0: final question for you as we wrap up here, Uh, just quickly thinking of some of my favorite assistive technologies, the bump dots on my stove, because I don't know if I'd be able to cook without them. Uh, my Comcast Xfinity uh, set-top box with the voice remote uh, makes it so easy to navigate and know, know what I want to watch. And then uh, Microsoft Soundscape, just because it helps me experience the world around me in, in a way that I never could before. Uh, any other pieces or types of accessible assistive technology that are near and dear to your heart, Swatha?
1: Um. Yeah. I just like I said before. I love my computer, my screen readers. Um. I also, I also just like. Yeah. I cannot live without my without my computer phone. So I <laughs> <mad. laughs> see how young I am. Yeah. Um. I also um really I just, just love using um my cane and going outside and walking around and just navigating the world using it. I don't think I could live without lived that, that either. So. Yeah, it's been a wild ride, but I'm here now and I feel that we need. So.
0: Awesome. Well, Matt and Don, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your expertise and experiences, helping us celebrate uh, National Assistive Technology Awareness Day. And I certainly want to encourage everyone out there listening uh, as well as watching on social media to share with ACB and and your friends and family in the broader community. Shoot, you can do it in comments on this video here today. Uh, share with us what some of your favorite pieces of assistive technology are um, and share why this assistive technology is so important. So again, hey, that, yep.
2: Sorry, I just wanted to give a real quick plug for the, at the convention this year, the Information Access Committee of ACB is putting on two Technology events, a 411 event where we're going to actually talk about, have a debate about which is better uh, braille displays or mainstream products. And we're also having a financial literacy panel where we're going to demonstrate some ways of doing things in the financial world with your iPhone and with Excel that really haven't been publicly demonstrated before. And so we just want to encourage all the listeners to make sure you know when the convention is, register for it, and attend those technology events because I think they'll be well worth your time to do so.
0: Great, thanks, Don. And Matt, any final plugs as we sign off here?
3: I think for, for um, I'll mention just a few items. One is, uh, you know, later today on, on Clubhouse, I'll do an event on, you know, getting used to using the Windows desktop for new users. That's not for people who do this every day. This is for beginners. Um, People who are shy from the computer can come listen. Um, And then tomorrow, we're doing a how to read a PDF with a screen reader with JAWS. And then tomorrow at 3, I think, is the real fun one with um, back to ACB communities where you can kind of help learn to or help come learn about how to pick out a a low vision device that fits your needs. So that's uh, tomorrow, 3 o'clock Eastern time. And that is available as an ACB
0: community event. Uh, so, again, thank you to our guests here today and happy National Assistive Technology Awareness Day. Uh, this is Clark. Please check us out at acb.org. Get involved with the community and always, as always, keep advocating. Thanks for listening to the ACB Advocacy Update.